when that revelation first came that he's all I need. Amen. If you have him, you have everything. Amen. Because he is more than enough. Amen. He is the substantial portion. He is the, he is the bride's portion. Amen. And, uh, and we, we found him. I want to say God bless you all. It's certainly uh, a real privilege to be here with you on a Wednesday night. And amen, this is our first uh, services back out on the field. We actually were just visiting uh, up north here. And this was kind of a last moment thing. So it is a bit of a surprise to you. And, uh, but I hope it's a pleasant one. And I uh, want to say God bless you. And uh, Brother Tim and Brother Timothy asked us to come down. I said, well, I'd love to come. But I, I certainly about glad to see somebody. We've been... We've been uh, we've been missing you all and <laughs> the fellowship of the saints and uh, my uh, what a blessing it is to get together amen and to see everyone and someone asked me said brother Wayne what do you miss the most about uh, about having the meetings and things because most of all the meetings in the springs have been canceled the big meetings and things and everyone getting together and I, I think it's the atmosphere uh, there's nothing I enjoy better than coming in the house of the Lord and watching the explosion of faith and and the hearts beginning to believe and the atmosphere begin to build and, and it comes into such a place just anything can take place in any moment amen and uh, of course we know God is always ple- uh, present with us but amen but uh, I, I'm certainly glad to be here with you tonight and brother Erickson I just was talking to him and he said to please greet you all and brother Tim brother Timothy and the ministers and and uh, to say hello to you and God bless you from uh, brother Erickson and the family there and uh, true word in Bluffton Ohio Amen. I want to send greetings. And if we could this evening, just maybe just take a moment and bow our hearts together. May we speak to him who holds all things in his power. Father, we come in this building tonight and we're gathered together, Lord. And oh, what a privilege it is to gather ourselves, Lord. And in such a time as this, Father, it's it's never left our hearts to serve you and love you, gather together, Father. And we're certainly glad to have the privilege and opportunity, Lord, to speak to your, to your lovely people. Now, we ask you tonight that may you anoint our words, Lord. May you anoint our minds. And Father, above anyone, I understand that without you, Father, we're certainly nothing and there's nothing that we could do. Lord, there's something that sparks in my soul that believes that you're God. Lord, I believe you're the one that spun the earth that I'm standing on. and I believe you're the one that put the breath that's in my body and strengthened me to stand here tonight. The eyes to see, the mind, Lord, to read and to understand. And, and Lord, we give you all the glory and we just ask you that may you come by this meeting tonight, Lord. You that know all things, you that know every heart, Lord. And I pray that you move through this building tonight, touching lives and answering hearts. But even there on the airways, Lord, them that would view tonight, I pray that you would say something special in their homes. That, Lord, you would speak to them. Father, how aware we are that your words can travel, Lord. Lord, through the airwaves. And I just ask that you would bless this evening. Give us strength, Father, and direction. And we ask it now in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen and amen. And God bless you tonight. And I want to invite you to the word. Uh, just, a, just a little something on my heart here. And I uh, just want to read from the book of Psalms, the 27th chapter. And uh, maybe just for uh, something tonight, just a little something on our heart. 
uh, Psalms 27. I want to read from the first verse. Of course, you know this is a uh, text of scripture Brother Branham took for the rapture. And uh, what a beautiful scripture that it is. A psalm of David, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear for the Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So there was actually something to fear to make David say, I won't be afraid. So he's not saying this just because, but there's something going to cause fear. And David is saying, I'm not going to be afraid. And when the wicked, even my enemies, my foes, came up on me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and they fell. For though a host would encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. And though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing, I have desired of the Lord that I will seek after. Now, that's a very heavy thing that he just said. One thing. One thing have I desired of the Lord that will I seek after. The thing that you desire is the thing you will seek. He said that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble shall he hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. And he shall set me upon a rock. May God bless you tonight as you be seated. I want to speak to you just for a little bit tonight upon hid away in the time of trouble. Hid away in a time of trouble. You know, um, I, I, I'm reading here of David saying this, and I can, only, um, I can only imagine how that when Brother Brandon began to preach this for the rapture, amen, of how he's uh, reflecting of what David was talking about this trouble and, and the times and the troublesome times. And, of course, uh, if you go to the book of Daniel, the Bible said there'd be a time of trouble such as never. In the book of Matthew, the 24th chapter, talks about trouble. And the thing that David would say about trouble is he would say that our God is an ever-present help in the time of trouble. So whenever you can look at the world and you can begin to say this is a time of trouble, you must also say it's a time of his presence. So you cannot have a time of trouble without God being present because he is an ever-present help in the time of trouble. So if we can label this a time of trouble, and I think that'd be pretty easy to label, isn't it? In this, in this time that we're living, a time of trouble. But in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me, and he shall set me up on a rock. And I think it's beautiful that David would talk about being set up on a rock. If you go to Psalms, the 62nd chapter, the 6th verse, Brother Branham will use this also in the message of Shalom. And he'll say, he is my only rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. For in God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Brother Branham will say it like this. David says, the rock, you notice many times, God is my rock. And you know what a rock is referred to in the Bible. A rock is a revelation. Amen. So he's going to hide us in the secret of his tabernacle. Set you 
upon a rock. And this rock that he's referring to is the rock of Revelation. Peter cried out and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Blessed Simon, bear Jonas, and, and upon this rock, my revelation, God has revealed it to him, flesh and blood, hath never revealed this, but my Father which is in heaven. And upon this rock, this revelation, I will build my church. Now, David crying out, God is my rock or my revelation. I think it's a very powerful that, that, that the prophet would tie together what David was saying with what Jesus was saying, and he's identifying that as a rock. And Jesus says it in Matthew 16 in the eighth verse. He'll say, I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen. It's a powerful thing to me to recognize, amen, that such a long time ago David was recognized Recognizing, and then and then Jesus here in Matthew 16 would begin to speak to Peter and he said, who do you say that I am? And he'll say, well, some are saying this and some are saying this. He said, but no, but who do you say that I am? And he said, I say that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus told him, this is the right revelation. Amen. And this revelation will be such a rock that the whole church will be built upon this rock and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen. And, and to think tonight that God, amen, would give us something that the gates of hell couldn't prevail against. Now, it's not that Satan will not be against the church. It's not that there will not be an attack against the church. So don't, 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 don't even start a Christian walk thinking that there's not going to be something attacking or something that's going to be a direct try to, 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 to break down or to destruct the church and the works of God. Amen. But you've got to recognize Recognize that Jesus said that the church is going to stand. Amen. Amen. That the devil cannot prevail. Amen. So it really doesn't matter what the enemy throws at the church. Amen. He's saying the enemy don't have enough to defeat the church. So whenever you think, amen, that you've had just about enough, I want you to know this. There's more in you than you know is in you. And God has placed more in your life than you actually know is there. Because he says with every temptation, he would make us a way of escape and God would never put more upon the church than they can bear. Amen. So I know tonight that there is a church of the living God that is built upon the rock, solid rock, foundation of the revelation of Jesus Christ and who he is and what he is to the church. I'll tell you, a wise man that's where he builds. And I believe God is of all wise and he built his house upon a rock. Amen. Jesus will tell the parable in Matthew chapter 7. And he'll say, amen, that whosoever heareth the sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon the house and it fell not for it was founded upon a rock. But everyone that heareth the sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which builds his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon the house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Now I want you to notice that rains descended and it was beat upon both houses. Amen. So don't, don't, don't think, amen, because we're Christians or because it's a Christian church that it won't suffer attack. Now that's one of the great 
attacks of the enemy actually is there must be something wrong or you wouldn't be under the attack you're under. Amen. If someone gets sick or some trouble comes into your life, amen, the enemy's always saying, well, there must be something wrong or you wouldn't be going through this. Amen. But the scriptures is telling us, amen, that both houses will be tested. Both houses, amen, will have storms. Both houses will suffer rain. Amen. But there will be a difference in the houses. One of them will be built upon a rock and the other will be built upon the sand. Well, the Bible said that that's built upon the rock, it shall not fall. Amen. That there is a people, there is a, a child of God that is built in a place that they will suffer attack, but they will withstand every attack of the devil and they will not lose the integrity that God has gave them as sons and daughters of God to believe God and to keep the integrity of their life. And, and, and if you want some examples, I could throw out a bunch of them, but just take Job, for instance. Amen. That Job suffered many attacks from the enemy and not one of them was for his destruction but every attack that Job faced was God proven to the devil that there is more in Job, amen, than what you believe is in Job because I know Job is a perfect man. I'll tell you something, if God's going to brag on you, he's going to have to put something in you that can withstand some troubles, amen, amen, because he's invested his future in the believers or in the church, amen, amen, you say, well, amen, I, I don't know about those attacks, but I'll tell you this, amen, the attack of the enemy is real, but there's all also a reality that somebody withstands every attack. Amen. Because they have been set upon a rock. Amen. I look in Psalms 40 and 2 and David says it again. He brought me up out of the horrible pit and out of the miry clay and he set my feet upon a rock and he established my goings. Amen. I don't know. It's maybe been years since you heard it, but I remember when I first got saved, it was a, hey, we sang that song a lot in the church there. Amen. And he brought me out of the miry clay and set my feet on a rock to stay. We used to be one of my favorite songs because I actually was a construction worker. And, amen. And I, 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 I knew all about dirt and mud and there's nothing I hate worse than mud. You know, amen. I, I'm also a, a, a hillbilly by rights. You know, I come from just north of you here in the hills of Arkansas. Amen. Amen, used to be in the summer when we got out of school when we were just kids. Amen. I don't think we seen a pair of shoes till the fall when school started again. She, she's shaking her head. She knows exactly what I'm talking about. Amen. We didn't, we just threw the shoes away and you didn't hardly wear shoes all summer long. And there's nothing worse, amen, than when you're when you're out walking and you go through a mud puddle and a bunch of old mud squirts up between your toes. It's a it's a horrible feeling. It's it just it's just an icky feeling that you that you're walking in mud. You know, amen. You, you, you think about it, amen, but God God took you out of the miry clay and he put your feet on the rock of revelation or amen well you didn't have to well, you didn't have to walk through that on mud no more amen you know what I'm talking about amen he's talking about a God that would open up a red sea amen for the children of Israel but he was so mindful of them that he said look amen I know that you're going through this but I won't let you walk through mud anymore amen but I'll dry it up so you don't have to walk through that listen church God is mindful of the church tonight and he lets us place our feet in dry places and, and stand upon the rock of revelation. I know water is everywhere and trouble is everywhere and storms are everywhere. Amen. But there is a bride of Christ upon the earth. Amen. That is able to withstand every trial. She withstands every blow because she's got her feet on the rock. And brother, she's able to stand there. Amen. She can stand. Amen. Because she's anointed to stand. To stand upon that rock. Amen. Amen. You're Amen. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm a bit of a hillbilly, but that mud between my toes, I just hate that. 
I want to stand where there's a good, solid place. Amen. I don't want to walk in shady places. I don't want to walk, amen, where it's murky and slippery and slimy. I want to get where the rock is, amen, where I, I know I can stand, amen. Amen. You recognize, amen, that there's a place to stand. Now, David tells us in Psalms 27 and 6, he said, Now shall my hand be lifted up above mine enemies and around about me. Therefore will I offer in the tabernacle the sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing the praises of the Lord. And what's he doing? He's lifting up his head. He's hid away. He stood on the rock. And now the enemies are there, but David is worshiping. The enemies are everywhere, but David said they're stumbling and they're falling. And I'm on the rock. Amen. So I'm going to lift up my head and I'm going to praise God. And I'm going to thank God for the times that I've been through. Amen. But I'm still here. Amen. Amen. I, I, I tell the church at home. I don't know if I ever told y'all down here, but amen. I tell the church at home there, Brother Erickson's a lot of times. Amen. I, I just take my handkerchief out like this and I just, I just whip it up in the air like this. Now they've seen me do this so many times now they know what this means. Now what this means, if you ever see me do this in a meeting, I got a handkerchief out and I just start waving it. I don't say nothing. I want y'all to know this is code for I'm still here. Amen. Now what I'm doing is this is not surrender. I'm waving a flag because the devil told me years ago, he told me he was going to get me. He told me you won't make it. I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to keep you. I'm never going to let you make it. And one day I woke up and realized something. Amen. If that devil could keep me, amen, and could destroy me, he would have already done it a long time ago. So there must be something with me that the devil cannot keep me. Amen. And every now and then, I just wait up in the middle of church and I just start waving my handkerchief and I say, devil, I'm still here. I tell you tonight, I think the bride of Christ ought to wave out a wave and tell the devil, we're still here. We're still fighting. We're still rejoicing. You throwed everything you got at us, but we're still going to praise. We're still going to bless the name of the Lord. We're not going to quit. We're not going to turn around. We're not going to give up. We're going to to praise the God of Abraham until there's nothing left in us to praise. Woo! Why don't somebody right now just say, devil, we're still here. We're still here. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm not in any way ready to give up. No, sir. No, sir. I'm not ready. I'm ready to wave. Amen. If it's the last breath of my body, I want to Amen, I want to do it like this. I'm still here. <laughs> I, I, I know he's never told y'all that, but he just probably just told me that. But every now and then, I just got to tell him back. <laughs> I'm still here. Yes, sir. Hey, man, you, you see, there's a secret of that. Because in Psalms 91, David will tell you something that's powerful. He will say, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He that dwelleth in the secret place. Now David is saying he'll hide me in the secret place. And now he's telling you the one that abides in there, the one that hides in there is under the shadow of the Almighty. Amen, that there's a shadow that's been cast upon the Almighty God. Do you know, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? 
I'm talking about the one that created the heavens and the earth and put the sun up there. The one that created all the oceans and the depths and the molecules in your body. He's the one that created everything and by him all things exist. Amen. That's the one I'm talking about. We abide under his shadow. In other words, he has cast a shadow over us. Amen. And he just lets the world know that one's mine right there. That one, that one's mine. Now he abides, the Bible said he dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now I want to read this to you from the Amplified Version. Psalms 91 and 1, it's just beautiful the way it reads, the Amplified. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty whose power no foe can withstand. Now, isn't that beautiful? He that dwells in the secret place shall remain stable. Now, isn't that beautiful? Remain stable. And this is the most unstable of all the times in the history of the world. There has never been a shaken like what is shaken today in the history of the world. Amen. But this is a time of shaking. But he that is in the secret place, amen, he that abides in the shadow shall remain stable because God is with them. Now, I think it's powerful because he is the almighty whose no power, no foe can withstand. You know, I, I, I know this. I know just, the, uh, just yesterday I ran into her over at Lowe's. I don't think anything's an accident. I thought it was very powerful. I wish we had the pictures. I wish I would have had some forethought to gave them to you. But you can look them up when you get home or ask me. We'll try to send them to the church website or something. Uh, but Sharon Beardsley is my wife's first cousin up in Arkansas. You remember Brother Harold Bailey, Sister Bailey? It's Brother Harold's daughter, Sharon. And uh, just the other day, y'all remember they had that big tornado up in Jonesboro and it wiped out the entire neighborhood nearly. And, and Sharon was in the middle of it. They might have shared it with you here, but Sharon was in the middle of it. Well, Sharon goes to a church at Brother David Morris, my uncle's church here in Arkansas. And she's a believer, been a believer from way back. Well, her husband is a very good man. And he is a believer, but he just ain't maybe where he needs to be yet, you know. Amen. There's that, there's that belief in there. He just don't go to service and things with her. But, but the, uh, the other day when that tornado struck, he, he actually, she said, I asked her how it happened. I seen her yesterday and talked to her. And she said, well, well, Wayne, she said, we was all sitting around that evening. And she said, all of our phones went off at one time. And it said there was a storm. And she said, so David, my husband, got up to turned on Channel 8 uh, 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 newscast to see at what was happening. And he said about that time, the guy circled a certain spot and said, this is the area that we're looking at. This tornado might hit. She said, so my husband, David, just walks out the back door and opens up the door and looks. And he said he can see that tornado barreling down right on the house. And she said, within 30 seconds, he said, she, he turned around and yelled, Sharon, we've got to get in the closet. And they ran into the bathroom. Well, in the bathroom's a little closet. And they just ran in through the door and got in there. And she said, Brother Wayne, within 30 seconds of us shutting that door, she said, I felt a, a pressure. And she said, it felt like it was lifting us off of the floor. And she said, all of a sudden, there was destruction all around us. And she said, we were praying out to the Lord. And she said, when, when, when everything finally settled, she said, we went to open the door, couldn't get out. Said, we started beating on it and, and, and asking for help. Well, the neighbor came over and said he had to take an ax and, 
and, and, and, and uncover the door and get us all out. Well, if you see the pictures ever, amen, they're, they're in the middle of the, of the community, the tornado literally has just obliterated the houses. They're just laying sticks and wood and it's just no walls or nothing. And there's just one little four walls about the size of a, a bathroom is standing in the middle of all this rubble and that bathroom was the one they were hiding in, the closet of that bathroom. There was a little closet there. And, and I said, uh, Sister Sharon, I bet y'all were doing some praying, wasn't she? She said, well, we didn't have time to pray, Brother Wayne. She said, but it happens to be the closet we were hiding in was my prayer closet. Amen. And, and right there in that prayer closet, it was the only wall standing in her entire house. Amen. But she was safe in that little place. Amen. Because see, amen, something was protecting her beyond the mortar and the bricks and the things that were holding her up. And she said, Brother Wayne, she said, it was outstanding. When we, when we left out of that house, and I was standing low, was talking, you know, and she's just sharing this with me and my son-in-law, Brian, and my father-in-law, and we're standing there talking about this. And she said, uh, she said, well, there was one other building standing on the property in the back. She said, it, it, was my, it was a little shed, and she said, it was just leaned over. She said, it was just barely one wall was standing. She said, but I went over there, and I had a bluebird house Amen. Hanging on that little shed. And she said, there's a bluebird mama raises her babies back there all the time. And she said, I went back in there. I've been watching her. And I looked in there to see. And he said, she said, Brother Wayne, she said that bluebird was still in that nest with them babies. Said that bluebird never even left that nest. She said, I told them when they come to tear everything down. So she, she said, don't you dare touch that shed or that one wall on that shed until that, that bluebird gets rid of those babies. Amen. And I thought, wasn't that something? That, that, that mother instinct, that, that was such a, there was such a, a, a God's character in that bluebird. Amen. That it had its babies hid away and its little wings over them. Amen. And thinking that she could protect them little bluebird from that great big storm. But there was something in her that would make her overshadow her young ones. It wouldn't let her leave in the middle of the storm. Amen. The mama didn't just flee and say, well, you had to do it on your own. But there was an instinct in her that covered those babies. And I thought, oh, what a God. Amen. In the middle of great trials and troubles and situation he said I'll never leave you nor will I forsake thee but I will cover thee with my wings I shall overshadow thee oh brother let the storm clouds pass let the troubles come but there's a bride that is hid under the wings of the almighty she's been shadowed there my what a stability amen what a time I know I know it's a I know it's unstable times I I know right now amen things are shaking everywhere I I mean you know amen if you if you're a if you're a news watcher and you're looking at the newspapers and you're watching the headlines and you're seeing the the, you know, the clips that are coming out my goodness amen you go up and you go down you go up and you go down, because every day, good news, bad news, good news, bad news. You know, you're just on a roller coaster if you're listening to the world. Amen, but watch this now, but the Bible said that God could give stability in unstable times. In the book of Isaiah, the 33rd chapter, the sixth verse, the Bible said, and wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of thy times, and strength of salvation the fear of the Lord is his treasure. Amen. Wisdom and knowledge shall be a stability of times. You, now, you, you, you see then 
that he's not saying times will not be unstable, but he's saying I will give a wisdom and a revelation that will keep you stable in an unstable time. Amen. In other words, a rock. Amen. He that abides shall have a rock. Now, when I say wisdom and knowledge, I, I think that it's very um, important that we, that we quickly discern the difference between intellectualism and knowledge in between carnality and wisdom. Amen. Because immediately people will go to the idea, well, that I know the word or I read the word. But do you know the prophet said that if you just know the word by being the word, by reading the word, it don't do nothing for you? He said, actually, the spirit kills, but the letter gives, uh, the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Amen. Then he tells us then that wisdom and knowledge, but not intellectual. Now, I'll say it to you like this. Amen. Because God, you take the children of Israel. When they were traveling and they were going from Egypt to Israel, God promised to supply them on their journey that they would have need of nothing. But you watch this, amen. You watch the scripture of how they end up staying 40 years in the wilderness and they end up needing things that they would have never needed had they went directly to the promise. But Brother Branham says, amen, what had happened, God had promised to supply all their needs. He said, but the carnal mind had taken them out of the divine will of God and had given them a desert route. Now watch, anytime you start with intellectuals, anytime you start in carnality, you're going to get a desert route. Do you know what happens in a desert? Things dry up. Amen, you lose the water supply in desert routes. So you can, you, you, you can still be a, a Christian, you still be Israel, amen, but the moment you enter carnality and intellectuals, you enter dry places. Brother Bram said that's what's a lot of matter today. He said with many of churches, they've taken a carnal intellectual route and it's been cut off. See, the supplies of God's blessings of healing and power and the baptism of the Holy Ghost, amen, because they took a desert route. So the moment you take carnal and intellectual, you're going to get away from the blessings of the baptism of the Spirit, of the moving of God, of healing and deliverance and the power of God. So knowledge and wisdom being a stability is not talking about carnality and intellectualism. Now watch because, amen, can, can I just preach to you a moment? Amen, and, and to think of this now, because you've got to watch we're in an intellectual age. So things can quickly become intellectual. But you've got to recognize that intellectual has no power in the spiritual realms. Maybe I'll just say it to you like this. Sometimes we think that we can go and maybe change things a little bit, become intellectual, we can polish things up. We can make them better. We can, we can change our music. We can take out the, the Pentecostal blessing of the church. And we can change things to be more polished and more intellectual and better looking. And Brother Batten says, but see, this is the lie that Satan told Eve at the beginning is that we can change it and keep the life. Do you see what, what, what lie the devil told Eve is we can change this and you won't die. But the moment that the church begins to change from the supernatural God 
to an intellects of man, there cannot remain life because it becomes a hybridization of the very word of God. Because see, the word, amen, in the gospel power is not just teaching the words alone, but the gospel is the spirit picking up the word and making the power of that word live in the church of the living God. My, do you see, amen, we can, we can change things a little bit, but it'll change the life. Amen. Now, let me just say this to you. You can change the chicken, but it changed the life. Watch what they've done. They hybrid the chicken, but it's different now. Amen. You, you, you go back and you look at the, the horse. The horse is the original, right? And they could hybrid it and they could make a mule out of it. So, so there is an original. It was a horse. But when you hybrid it, you made a mule out of it. Now watch. Brother Bam says, but see, the life changed. He said, it'll work. He said, but it, it, it's a stubborn thing. Amen. It has a different nature about it because it is not in the original. Amen. Now, I, I'm saying that to say this. Amen. Anytime you hybrid something to bring intellect or carnality to it, you take the life out of it, and then it begins to pervert the people that are actually under it into a place that they lose the reality that God is the only safe and hiding place. God is the only stability that is left in our times. Maybe I could just say it to you like this. The life isn't right when you begin to hybrid. God wants the church the way he made it. Amen. Now, I'll say this. Amen. He wants it the way he made it at the beginning. So the church has been hybrid, and now it comes to a place that the church becomes more like a lodge than a Pentecostal blessing. Now, Brother Bram was saying that in a negative way, that the church will become more like a lodge than a Pentecostal blessing. Amen. You see, scholars are more educators than they are preachers. Amen. Then what happens is a church begins to move away from the real revelation of the word. They'll replace it with intellect and they'll put it with carnality. And then they begin to get away from the life. And then it moves away from the Pentecostal blessing. And then it goes into carnal desert routes. And look, it gets drier and drier and drier. And after a while, the people end up in a position, amen, that they're not able to contact the one that's able to change everything. Amen. I'll just say this to you tonight. The world that we're looking at, trouble is everywhere. Trouble is in the church. Trouble is in politics. Trouble is in economics. Trouble's in the military. Trouble is in families. Trouble is in education. Trouble is everywhere. Amen. But the Bible says when this kind of time comes, you've got to lift up your heads. You've got to look. Amen. The prophet of God says it. And when these things begin to come to pass, Luke chapter 21, the words of our Lord, then you've got to look up and lift up your head for your redemption draweth nigh. Amen. Look, every time that you see a shaking in a church, you see a shaking in economics. You see a shaking in politics. You see trouble. Amen. Look, that is the handwriting that's on the wall of judgment coming to the nations. But it's only saying that the bride is that much closer to the very grace that God has promised them of a new body in a new earth. 
My, can you imagine when Daniel, amen, began to see, amen, the handwriting come on the wall in the days of Nebuchadnezzar, when he looked and seen that writing on the wall, amen, it meant that there was a shaking going on in Babylon. Yeah. Amen, but it meant something different to Daniel. It meant that the days, amen, of bondage and captivity was actually finished and he was being released to go back to original worship. My, when I think about this today, that Daniel then began to read all the books and he began to understand by the books Amen, that the time of deliverance was near. That the time of going back to the homeland had came. The time of restored worship had came. His understanding became a stability to him and all of them that was around him. In other words, look, there's a rock, there's a revelation here. This thing's falling apart. But we're fixing to go to our home. Amen, now watch seeing him. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 that Moses, amen, by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Now, by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured. Now, think about this a moment. A man endured. And if you read the life of Moses, there was a lot he had to endure. The man endured. Now, you say, how does a man endure all of that? How does he do it? Well, the Bible answers it. And it actually says he endured it as seeing him who is invisible. So when he saw the unseen God, he was able to endure anything because then he had a stability that was beyond Pharaoh. That was beyond when he said to Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh didn't even let him go or he responded with a heart. See, he didn't fall apart at Pharaoh's response because the word that he had was greater than the one he was talking to. Then he was able to endure the Red Sea because the God that was leading him was the one that could open that sea. Then he was able to endure. Can I read you something from looking to the unseen? Paragraph 18, if you're... Want to bring it up, looking to the unseen? He said, when a man once catches the vision of the invisible God and knows that he's always present, there is something that stabilizes that man's thinking. When a man catches the vision of the invisible God and knows that he's always present, there's something that stabilizes that man's thinking. Amen. Now, when he recognizes that God is with him, he becomes stable. Amen, when, when, when a man catches the vision of the unseen. Amen, you, you, you watch David, David himself. He said this, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Do you see, David knew God was with him. Yes. Go to Isaiah 43 and watch Isaiah. He said, when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, they shall not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Do you see? Because what is happening is they're recognizing that God is with them. Now, if God is with you, it really doesn't matter what you're going through 
because you're under the shadow of the Almighty. You see, it's actually when you see the unseen, that's what stabilizes the individual. Amen. Now, let, let's just take it just for a, for a moment in the scripture and let's look back and see. Uh, I'll take a story you all know very well because the point is what I'm looking for. But go back in the scripture and remember in the days of Elisha, amen, when Elisha was a prophet of God who was directing the king of Israel of how to war against Syria. Now, you remember in the scripture that Israel and Syria were at war in every little bit Syria would try to attack Israel, but, but Elisha would tell the king. He would say, look now, amen, if you go this way, they're going to attack you and they're going to overcome you. So don't go that way, you go this way. And every time, amen, they would outsmart the king of Syria in so much that after a while, the king of Syria began to say, amen, who's the spy in my hand? Who's, who's the spy in my camp? Who, who is secretly going and talking to those Israelites and telling them all the secrets that we have? And somebody finally told the king, they said, well, king, said, you don't have any spies among us. There's no traitors here. But they got a prophet with them. And he is able to tell them what you're saying in your bedchambers. Now watch, when Israel had eyes, when they had eyes that could look into the unseen, he could actually go out and tell them what was happening. And then he could, he could, he could deter. So with this prophet, they were a mighty country. They were a mighty army because they had eyes to see beyond the realms of what they were looking at. Yeah. Amen. Now notice what Syria did. Syria said, well, amen, I'll tell you this. We will never defeat Israel as long as they got this prophet. So the entire Syrian army decides instead of attacking Israel as a country, we can never beat them like that. So we will turn all of our attention and attack their vision. We will attack their seer. We will attack their prophet. Because if they can kill the prophet, then they can destroy the nation. You see, they realized where the stability of Israel was. They realized where the strength of Israel was. It was in that seer. Do you see that, that devil knows the same thing? Do you know that he realizes as long as the church has a prophet, they know exactly what tomorrow holds. As long as the church holds the message of the hour, we know what to expect in the near future. We know a body change is coming. We know the world is going to fall apart. We know all these troubles are going to happen. But we also realize, amen, that we will not be here during the tribulation and we're going to bypass the whole thing and be changed in the moment in the twinkle of an eye. So whatever's happening, Whatever's taking place, that bride is stable. She's staying the course. She's staying right in there. But if the devil can destroy a prophet in your heart, if he can tear down that message to that believer, he can remove the stability of that individual and then they're just like a loose string out in the air, just whipping every which way. Whichever way the devil wants. Watch, when Siri decided we're going to destroy Israel, they went after their prophet. And they went down there, the whole army come after this one man. And they're sitting down there that morning and, and, and Gehazi and, 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 and Elisha's down there. I don't know what, maybe they're doing cooking breakfast or something, whatever they're doing. And the army comes down the hill and Gehazi gets all shook up. 
Amen. He gets all shook up. He's unstable as he can be. Amen. There's more of them than there is this. And we're in trouble. Look at all the problems. Look at all the situations. Amen. What are we going to do? Pastor Tim, what are we going to do with all these things and all this happening? Amen. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Look at what it look at, look at, look at, look. And look what this man was doing. He was actually looking at the wrong things. Everything he was looking at was causing an instability in him. The things that he was looking at. Now, I'm preaching to you tonight. Amen. Listen, if you're sick in your body, amen, a prophet told us how to get a healing. Amen. If you're troubled in your life, he told us how to get out of that. Amen. But you see, if you start looking at the symptoms, if you start looking at the trouble, if you start looking at the problem, but watch what, uh, watch what he did to him. He just said to him, he said, well, Gehazi, there's more, there's more of us than there is them. Now, the thing that he was looking at was not actually visible in the natural. Amen. But he turned the boy's vision to the unseen realm. And when he did, his eyes opened up and his understanding understood that these, these angels are actually here. Maybe you, you've heard me preach many times and the ministers uh, throughout the times of the angels and how God, amen, does it. But Brother Brown says it. He says, look, he said those angels were already there. He said, matter of fact, he said, he said, maybe Elisha didn't even see the angels himself. He said, but they were there because the scripture said now it's amazing, I was reading this the other day and the prophet actually says, he says, you know the one that you see the picture of? He said, he's not two feet from my body right now. He said, but I can't see him. He said, but I know that he's here. And I thought, what's that spirit of Elisha doing the same thing in this day that he did in that day? Amen, that he couldn't see it, but he knew that it was there because of the rock of revelation. He knew the nature of God was not to run in a battle, but the nature of God is to overshadow the church in the times of the trouble. And he said, there's more of us. And his eyes come open. And when they did, he began to see the, the angels on the mountains. He, he seen enough angels to destroy the entire land of Syria. Amen. And, and you look at all those angels. And I, I won't have time to preach on angels tonight. Amen. But they were there, wasn't they? He was not aware they were there, but they were there anyhow. They were just as much there before he realized it. Amen. Then after he realized it. And church, whether you actually feel it or not, whether you can see it or not, the angels of God are filling every empty place in this building. Oh, yes, sir. Whether you recognize it or not, the entire atmosphere is full of the angels of God. They're on the balconies. They're sitting in the blank seats. They're walking up and down the aisles. They're circling this building. If you could catch a vision of the unseen, you could see the very streaks of fire that's flowing through this building right now. The pillar of life moving from heart and life. Amen. And trying to inspire and stabilize hearts and lives that God is the same yesterday, today and forever our situations change but our God never changes our problems change but our God doesn't change and the unchanging God that was standing there with them my, when I was reading this the other day it, it, just, it just shot something through me I was reading through there and I got to looking at all those angels and it just, it just struck me hey wait a minute 
Those angels never done nothing. When you go read that, those angels never done nothing in that whole story. Amen. They never picked up a battle. They, they never threw a rock. They never threw a spear. The only thing that happened was Gehazi was stabilized by knowing they were there. He just saw them. Amen. Elisha knew they were there. The angels didn't even get in the battle because the prophet of God actually said that a son of God on the earth was actually greater, amen, than an angel that's up in heaven. I don't know if you really know who you are tonight. I don't know if you recognize, but if you could catch a vision of the invisible God. I'll tell you what began to happen, amen. An angel don't have to come and fight this battle right now. Amen, the only thing that has to happen is you have to realize that God is with you. Amen, he's never left you. He's totally shadowing you. Amen, and we're still here fighting this battle and we're here in anointing and power. Amen, stabilized in an unstable time. Hid, hid in Christ. Look what Brother Bram says. He says when it's something that'll stabilize that man's thinking, it'll stabilize his actions. And in the time of distress and trouble, it'll make him look upward and above the things that are happening around him because he's looking at the unseen. There is something that will make you look the other way. There's actually something that will make you, I know we preach about it, young men, look the other way. The power of the Holy Ghost make you look the other way. Amen, but sometime you gotta recognize it might not be a woman you need to look away from. It might be a struggle in your life you need to look away from. Amen, a sister might need to look away from a trial or a problem or a situation. There is a reason there was only one window in the ark and that window was straight up is Noah had to look up in the time he had to see God in every time and I believe that the church of the living God has got to look away from the troubles and look away from the problems and look to the unseen and though we are the bride of Jesus Christ anointed for the age and the time that we're living in amen the world might fall apart but there's a bride that's not going to Mm, glory to God amen stabilized by an unseen My, when I look at this tonight, let me read something Brother Bram said, Christ revealed in his own word. He said, the stabilizers has been put out on the ship. Amen, great fearful waves are out here before us. We know just beyond that wave here, we're nearing the shore, we're nearing the shore, just stay stable. Just stay in the word, stay with the word of God no matter how you feel. Want anything else, stay right with that word. Let it stay stable. When you see these great clouds around us and these storms are coming, atomic bombs and everything else they're talking about, but our stabilizer is right straight in the word. God said it would be here. We will crest every one of them. Amen. Yes, sir, we'll go right over the top of them. Yes, indeed. They can't sink us. They can't drown us. You can put us in the grave, but we'll come up again. Amen. There's just all there is to it. There ain't no way in the world to keep it down. We will crest every one of them because God is our great chief captain and he's calling us to the other side. Isn't it beautiful that the church, amen, is sailing to the most hazardous seas that the church has ever sailed through. But we've got a stabilizer, amen, and we're going through. I'll tell you this, if you ever catch the vision, we're going through. If you can catch the vision, we're going through. It doesn't matter what else comes, we're going through. 
When Jesus called on the boat in the days of Apostle Peter, he said, let's go to the other side. Hey, listen, amen, 10,000 devils decided they'd sink that ship and they would bring a storm that would keep them from the other side. But brother, there was a secret in the boat. There was a secret on the boat. The stabilizer was in the ship. Amen, rock Christ was upon that ship and they could walk through every wave. They would be, hey, listen, tonight I, I, I just want to maybe say to you, as a believer, you're going to make this. You're going to come through this. And the devil said, well, we're going to lose something, Brother Wayne. Hey, Amen. We're going to lose our, our, our joy. We're going to lose our, our fire. We're going to lose our anointing. Don't you read your Bible? Don't you read the Bible that no believer ever lost anything in a trial? They never lost anything. Look at Job. Amen. He went through it, but he had devil when it got finished with it. I'll tell you this. Amen. No, no believer ever lost. Amen. You pick four Hebrew children, tie them up and throw them in the fire. Amen. But when they come out, amen, the only thing that happened, they were loose. Amen. They went in bound, but they come out loose. Amen. You go into a trial. You might have been bound, but you come out loose. You come out refocused. You come out re renewed. You come out saying, amen, if that's all you got, devil, amen, you're in trouble because I'm here on a Wednesday night serving God when you tried to shut us down and shut us off and shut us away, but the church of the living God cannot be closed. Amen. Now they can close the door, but they can't close the church. My goodness. Amen. Anybody got their joy shoes on tonight? Anybody got their joy shoes on? I know there ain't much to shout about in this life, but if you look beyond that veil just a moment, if you look with them, them angels are circling the building just for a moment, it'll start charging something to make you feel different than you've ever felt. Amen. What is it? It's a stabilizer. Amen. There's a stabilizer on the ship. Now, 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 when you when you as a believer, I'll tell you this, one thing that you have to be very careful of, and I I know here, uh, here in the church, I know you're well taught, and, but I just maybe just want to say this to you. The Bible tells us, amen, to presume on something is actually to move without authority. And any time that the world goes through something so big as what we've just went through, there's always somebody that's going to interpret what that means for us. And they're always going to dig through the sermons of Brother Branham and try to find something that little, little angle, amen, that's going to show that they're bigger or more intellect or something like that and they got this special inside something, amen. But you know what? I've already lived through Y2K. I already lived through 1977. I was a little boy. I remember it very well, thinking that we was all just to fall into the sea, and, 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 and they were preaching it so strong because they seen a little certain point, and they made it. I remember it. I remember Y2K. I remember 9-11. Uh, I, I remember all these things. I remember they were presuming what they meant. Amen. And sometimes it's pretty profound. I actually began, I began the other day, I come up with a new word uh, for profanity. It's actually profoundly presuming. Profoundly presuming. I've heard some pretty smart guys presume what's going to be. But it's still, it's still presumption. You see, it's still unstable. And being unstable, being that it's a presumption, amen, then what it actually does is it it's moves us away from a simple truth of divine authority. Amen. So the Bible, Paul will actually say this in Colossians 2. He'll say, by any means, he said, don't 
let a man beguile you, he said, with some enticing words. Now watch, don't let someone beguile you with enticing words. Now, and when, you, when you look into this, it actually means to deceive or to cheat or to falsely reckon or to deceive by reasoning, to delude or to deceive. Don't let somebody delude or give you a false reckoning of what things mean or how that they're to be interpreted. Amen, but Paul said, but I, though I absent in the flesh, I will in the spirit. Amen. Join beholding the steadfastness of your faith as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord. So walk you in him. Rooted and built up in him. Established in the faith as you have been taught. Abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man would spool you through a philosophy or a vain deceit. And the tradition of man or the rudiments of the world. And not after Christ. This word spool means to actually lead off from the truth. Amen. And be subject to their sway. In other words, Paul is saying don't be led off from truth and become subject to the sway of someone who is wanting to seem very, uh, very smart about individual things. Amen. Because these are enticing words that take the believer from the stability of a rock of revelation and sound truth. Amen. Now watch. This is why Paul was saying in Ephesians 4 and 11. He's saying he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body. Amen. Until we all come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the slight of man and the cunning craftiness whereby they lay in wait to deceive. Now watch, to be tossed is like a, a ship that's tossed on the, on, the, on the waves. Now the prophet here, amen, of course, Paul is trying to say to the church, don't be tossed. Now he's not talking about you, that you're physically being pushed by someone. He's speaking about mentally tossed. They meant that the things that, they meant if you, if you listen to the president one day and you listen to the governor the next day and you listen to a, a preacher one day and you listen to somebody else another day, you're, you're mentally being actually tossed from every opinion and every thought of man. So there's, there comes such an instability that you really don't even know what to believe. You really don't even know what to, what to think about your life or what's coming or what situation is there. Amen. But, but every time that man brings a mental tossing upon the mind, it produces a fear in the person that is being tossed around. Amen. Do you see the prophet said, amen, why are so people tossed about? Amen. And then the tossing mentally actually begins to unheave a person and to put them in fear. And Paul said this, speaking the truth in love, may we grow up into him in all things, which is the head Christ, whom he is the whole body, fitly joined together, compacted by every joint supply, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. 
Now notice then, if there's a part of the body that's going to edify you, it's going to do it in love, bringing perfection of faith in the church. Amen. A true gift of ministry will actually bring faith into your heart instead of fear. Instead of putting some fear in you about tomorrow, it will instill a stability, amen, that God has got this. He's in control. He's the God that created the world. God ain't no nerve pills up there wondering what, amen, what's going to be. He's not up there wondering, are you going to make it and are you going to get through this and are you going to come out on the other side and amen, my God already wrote the Bible before the devil was ever created. He already had the outcome of this whole thing. Every person that is here today, amen, Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless but I will come to you and yet a little while the world will see me no more but you'll see me because I live ye live also you're going to see me you're talking about a comfort you're going to see in God and you'll be comforted in knowing that God is on the backside of every trial amen from Melchizedek the great priest Jesus brother Bram said speak in a little while the world see me no more you'll see me a personal pronoun I'll be with you even in you to the end of the world As directing our minds to his great supreme sacrifice of the forerunner of our blessed hope we have in the veil. Then by faith we believe it. Our anchor goes out there and points and sets in the word of God and sticks within the veil and a prayer line. Through there holds us steadfast to the promise not wavering about or tossed about with every wind of doctrine but steadfast and unmovable. Do you see that the veil is in the unseen realm is causing the anchor to actually be unseen, but we're tied to it anyhow. See, we're, we're, we're tied to it. Whether we can see it or not, we're tied to it. And he's saying to the church, look, don't be tossed. Don't be moved. Amen. Because that the stature of the perfect man, it is a stability unlike a child who in their mind, in every story of every individual, a child just believes. You, you can say to him, I'm going to eat your nose. And a young child, amen, you can, you can fake him out and make him think you're eating his nose. I don't, probably none of you old guys ever done it, but when I was a kid, they done it to me, and I was sure that guy was going to eat my nose. <laughs> the old boy looked mean enough to eat two noses, you know. But I was sure he was going to, but I was a child. So he wouldn't be able to put fear in me about what he was going to do, but it was totally, it was totally deception. But as a child, I was moved by this man's way of saying and doing things. And you see the church, he's saying, don't you be a child. Don't you, don't you be tossed every time somebody says, well, I think all this means that the church is going to be perfected through pressure and all these things are happening, this over here, and then somebody else, well, this is going to be in this situation, this and how. Listen, amen, the, the, the bride of Christ has already received the word in this age. There's not an eighth messenger. There's not another prophet. Amen. There's not another man coming along to tell us things of how things are going to unfold and what they're going to be. The bride of Christ has turned the last corner of redemption and glory is right in front of her. Amen. The only thing that's going to take place is the bride's body is going to be changed. Amen. You said, preacher, what, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say stay in the message. Stay 
in the word of God. If you don't want to live a life of confusion, get your head out of the television. Get your mind away from the nomination of preachers and away from anybody that says anything contrary to the message of the hour. Amen. But if you'll focus your faith on thus saith the Lord, there'll become such a stability in your life. Amen. If cancer strikes you, you're still stable. If sickness strikes you, you're still stable. If trouble strikes you, you're still stable because you're not invested in what the world is doing. Glory. You got to stay in there. Amen. You got to stay in the field. Look, you can't be tossed around. Brother Branham says in the message of Job, he said, listen, he said, when Ruth that Moabitess went into Israel, amen, she was with Naomi. She went gleaning in the fields. Amen. And when she got into Boaz's field, he come by and saw her and he said to her, you stay in this field. Amen. You stay in this field. And the prophet of God says this, don't you leave this field. And God be merciful. Don't be tossed with every wind of doctrine. Stay in the word. You see what he's saying? Stay in this field. Amen. The field of Boaz. She didn't know it, but it was her field of redemption. When she first visited the field, she did not realize what that field personally meant to her. To her, it was some rich man. It was some field. It was a, a great Lord. Amen. It didn't mean anything personally other than just a few grains of, uh, of seed off of the ground. Amen. But when she got to working in that field, amen, the very purpose of her life was in that field. He said, don't you leave this field. Amen. Don't you, don't you get outside of this. Amen. And looking while she was working in there you know what was said of her because she stayed in that field it was said she was a virtuous woman and you know what he did amen Boaz who was that great kinsman actually went to the reapers and he said to those reapers look now I want you to drop some I want you to drop a handful of purpose in front of her Amen. She's out there gleaning. There ain't hardly nothing. But I want you to drop a handful of purpose in front of her. Amen. Now, I'll tell you this. Amen. Brother Bram said, oh, let some angels come tonight and drop some handful of purpose in front of the church of the living God. I know that sometimes you wonder, as a, as a mother, what's my purpose? But let me tell you, you've got a greater purpose than you know. Amen. You might be raising a John Wesley. Amen. You might be raising another powerful man of God. Amen. 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 Listen, I, I know that when we look at our purposes, young people, amen, they start saying, Brother Wayne, what's our purpose? And, amen. What are we here for? And what's life about? And what's all this? Amen. But I promise you, you will never find your life's purpose in the college. You go to all the job fairs you want to, you will never find your life's purpose. Because God has a purpose for you that is greater than anything in this world. He has designed you and wonderfully made you and he has a specific purpose for your life and it is to manifest this word in the age that you're living in. You've got a purpose that the devil cannot destroy. Amen. And I'll tell you, you're not going to find it in any other place. You're not going to find it in any other place. But if you'll stay in that word, amen, if you'll stay in that word, if you want it in the scriptures, Ruth chapter 2 and verse 8, but abide here. 
You abide here. If you'll abide under the shadow, if you'll abide in the field, if you'll abide in the word, amen, that word will produce something in your life. It develops a purpose of what God has you here. Listen, if a man ever gets his heart anchored, there is nothing the devil can do to shake that man. Amen. He's anchored there. He can never be shaken again if he's anchored in Christ. I know the devil tries his best to shake everybody. But that's his job. Brother Wayne, must be something wrong with me. Having all these mind battles, getting these attacks, and things are happening. There must be something wrong with me. Do you, can I just say this to you? The devil attacked Jesus three times. Three times. The only begotten son of God that was born of a virgin fulfilling scriptures that had been laid up through years of prophecy. Amen. And there he was, the, the very son of God, identified by a prophet, a pillar of fire. Amen. Identified him and said, this is my beloved son. The supernatural God had spoken out and identified himself with that body. Many signs, miracles, and wonders. Amen. Look, the devil was attacking this kind of a man and saying, are you the son of God? Are you the one? Are you the one that's supposed to be? Do you know why he was doing that? Amen. The prophet of God said, because Jesus represented you and me. He said he represented us. And I, I don't have time to preach on it, but you can go study it out later. But I'll tell you what he said. He said, you got representation. And in the original, you were represented in the mind of God. But in the Garden of Eden, Eve mixed the word of God and made it a hybrid and she represented every man and woman that will hybrid the word of God and was represented right there in the Garden of Eden and you've seen their future. Amen. That first man, Adam, represented denomination accepting something with the word and not staying with the word only. Amen. But hundreds and thousands of years later, Jesus, who was the word, was the seed that Eve should have kept in the garden. What was that seed? Stay with the word. Had she stayed with the word, she would have produced Christ. And here he is, amen, thousands of years later, produced by Sarah in the virgin birth. And the devil had to know, is this the right seed? And the prophet said, what did he do? He tried to cross it up. He tried to cross it up. He said he'd done everything he could do to cross it up. He said, but see, but he couldn't cross up that seed. He couldn't cross up that seed. He attacked him in every angle, but couldn't cross him up. Brother Bram said, rather than that, Jesus took the cross, amen, and went up. He said, but he, he actually represented the believer that will stay with the word of God. And a man or woman that will stay with the word will defeat Satan anywhere. Yep. Any place, any time, under any situation, in any form. Do you see tonight, we are not just a church, amen, of a bunch of children, but there's a people of God in this age that have become mature enough to know there's a tomorrow, that knows there's a morning. Amen, you take a young person and something happens in their life, they think, amen, they think their whole life is over. Their whole world, amen, uh, uh, somebody breaks up with them or they have some kind of personal trouble or somebody don't like like them on Facebook or there's some rude comment, the whole life is finished. 
Everything is finished. Might as well just quit. Might as well just throw it all away. That's the way a kid thinks. But as you get a little older, you begin to know there's a tomorrow. And tomorrow's always better. There's a morning time coming. And the church of God is old enough now to know that there's a morning coming. Oh, every little thing that comes is not the end. Don't be tossed around. Get, get stable in the word of God that the devil cannot ever shake him. She, she, he cannot shake that church. Amen. He cannot shake it because that church is represented. That church is represented in Christ. It's actually represented in Christ, something that you can't cross up. Now, let me, let me just say this to you. Jesus said that if you had the faith of a grain of mustard seed, you could say unto this mountain, be moved. And they went around and you heard people for years talk about, oh, that just that little bit of faith. And Brother Bram comes along and said, the mystery of the seed is not the size of it. He said, the mystery of the seed is the, the, the mustard seed could not be crossed up. It couldn't be mixed. It couldn't receive the hybrid. If you want to know what the original is, you know you'll never, you'll never get the original. You'll never get the original in the world. Everything is mixed with a lie. Every bit of it. If, if, you, if, if you want to know what the original is, the only way to do it is to go back before the first lie. You've got to go back to that Eden. You've got to go back before the first lie. Look, listen. I know what the enemy says to you. I, I, I mean, he, he comes to me as well. I know. Every time you come under a great attack, every problem that comes to you, every situation that comes, amen, oh, you're just a bluff. You're just a bluff. We, we know you're, you're just faking your way through it, and after a while, you'll fall apart. And you're, just, you're just bluffing your way. You're not really who you say you are. He said, preacher, how do you know he talks to us that way? Well, I tell you what, a prophet was laying in bed one morning looking at a supernatural vision, seeing himself overcoming the devil, and he wakes up the next morning, and the devil is standing there talking to him in a physical form. And you know what that devil said to Brother Branham? You're a bluff. You're a bluff. You don't have any power over me. I think, it's very, I think it's very odd. The devil's the one in the corner telling the prophet, you ain't got no, you ain't got no power over me. See, it's a lie. You're, you're, you're just living a lie. You know, this, this believing this message and coming to the church and acting like a Christian and shouting and rejoicing. It's just all a lie. But you know what the lie is? The lie is your, is your pre-birth. The lie is that person that was in the world. That's the lie. The truth is that you were actually in God before. That's why Jesus said it wasn't so from the beginning. That's why when William Branham come and stood here, he said, little bride, what justification really means is you never did it in the first place. So Satan is saying to you, oh, it's your lie. See what it is? It's an instability. 
He's doing everything to break the stability. He meant to, to rock you this way, to rock you that, but to him that abides. He'll never stay in the sacred place of that rock of revelation. He'll abide right there. And if he'll abide in me and my word abide in you, he'll ask what you will and it shall be given unto you. If you say unto this mountain, be moved, he'll be moved and thrown into the sea. You said, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying there's no opposition that can come against a church that knows who it is, that God cannot remove it. It's already written of you of what tomorrow will be. My, when I look at this, amen, you, you, you said, Brother Wayne, what are you saying? Can, can, can I take just a couple moments in closing? I, I don't want to be too long. But when things get into a hybrid, when things get in a hybrid, how do you ever get it straightened out? How do you ever fix it? You know, they're, they're actually talking about right now in the seed world, it's a big problem because they've actually designed this uh, a heritage seed because they're trying to make sure that at some point, that not every seed you get has got some kind of hybrid in it. They're, 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 they're praying that they can keep the original corn and all these things before man started getting into them. Amen. But I can, can I just, I, I don't want to be, um, I don't want you to think I'm being uh, mean or anything. I want to maybe just make a point to you. But we're living in a time right now when things are being mixed. And intellectual and carnality has so mixed things until they have children that are so confused they don't know if they're boys or girls. You're talking about instability. They're in a, maybe they're in a male body. Completely male. Chromosomes, witnesses, everything witnesses it's a male. But inside, the devil in an age of perversion has so mixed things together that there'll be a male and female spirit together perversion in the body. And then they'll decide, well, I, I would rather be the female as the male, so then we're going to change my body to make it fit the spirit. But see, now, in the beginning, it wasn't so because God separated the male and the female spirit and took them out of the same body and put one in one body and one in the other body. Now, watch what happens is today. Now, I was reading an article sometime just a few years back, and it just, it just grieved my spirit to no end. Because and I don't agree with anybody smoking or drinking or anything like that. To, to me, a man smokes and drinks ain't in his right mind. I just, you, no matter what age he is. It just ain't in your right mind. It's actually destroying your body. But at least the government says you need to be 21 to drink and 18 to smoke. So they figure by the time you're 18 or 21, at least you got the right to make up your own mind. But do you know, I was reading an article where kids, before they're even 18 years old, they can get a sex change out, out west. And the government will pay for it. And they don't even have to have the parents' signatures. They can secretly go in and get a change of their sex before they're even 18 years old. Now you say, what's your point? Let me tell you my point. A person in that shape at 15, when they get 40 years old and decide they don't want to be like that no more, what are they going to do? How are they ever going to get out of that? How are they ever going to get back to the original when they realize? See, because things can get so mixed up that you almost can't get it back. You know, Brother Branham actually says this. He says that in the olden days, he said that the, the births in the Old Testament were so uh, an illegitimate, church, uh, 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 illegitimate birth or a bastard birth, he said, was so bad 
He said that it would actually take 10 generations of a child being born before it could get back to the original and go into the house of the Lord. Now you think about that. But the prophet said, but today, he said, we have a new birth now. He said that we'll breed out all the call. I got to thinking about that the other day and I thought, the devil can mix this up any way he wants to. But God has got a new birth. And he can breed a person back to the original things of God where a person can become stable in Bible doctrine. They can become stable in their lives. They can become stable in the word of God. Amen. Listen, friend. We're living in such a time, amen, when, when trouble is everywhere. But he said of the church, come and hide. Come and hide in the secret of the tabernacle. Come and, come and get on this rock. Come and get under this birth that can, that can dismiss that sex blood. And it can put you back in an original state. Do you see what, what God is offering the church is a way to come into stability and maturity. In even the times like we are. Listen, Brother Bram said we need to come. Come and dwell, he said, in the land of adoption. Come and dwell there. Come and stay there. Come and stay in a place of maturity where no matter what's happening in your life, no matter what struggles, no matter what problems, no matter what issues are rising, come on in here where everything is well. Come in here where you're not tossed. Where the, where the troubles can't, where they can't reach you. I believe tonight, I believe there's a place. I believe there's a place we can go. Yes, sir. I believe there's a way back. I believe, there's a, I believe there's a way that we can find a stability, a hiding place. Yes. Even in such a time, can our musicians come tonight? A hiding place. You know, as a kid, we used to play hide and seek all the time. I'm sure some of you young people still probably play it. You go out and hide and they count and then you come and find them. As a little boy, I remember we'd hide about under anything or in anything, whatever we could get away from, whatever we get away with. But we used to laugh, me and my brothers. We'd laugh, we'd talk about, because people come visit, and, you know, after church and things, and in the yard full of kids, and, you know, and there's 20 vehicles out in the front yard, and kids are everywhere and running, and, and we always laughed about hiding in somebody's car. Well, if you hide in your own car, and they run off, and they live in another place, you know how kids are. We, we had this big scenario, you got caught in a car, and you got took, and, you know. The other day, I was reading here. With the book of Colossians, Paul said, we're going to be hid in Christ. And I got to thinking about hiding in him. Just going in there and laying down in him. Just hide and just staying. But you know, the prophet of God said that, that Christ was a great space tube or astronaut shuttle. And I thought, my, he is actually hiding us in a place that one of these mornings is going to actually leave the earth 
we're actually being hid in the place that's going to be leaving. Listen, I don't know, I don't know what, what's going on with you tonight. I don't know where your life is. I know, I know the world. I know the shape that it's in. I know the struggles and the troubles that have come. I know the conditions, the carnality and the intellectuals, and I know the problems that are happening. It, it's everywhere. But listen, tonight as a believer, you don't have to be there. You don't have to be there. If you're watching tonight, listen, I, it's one thing I've learned through this COVID quarantine. We've been preaching to the camera a lot. I know they can't say amen out there, but I get texts later. I know they're there. But the Spirit of the Lord has been moving and touching a lot of lives, even, not even, even, even in the building, just going out there on the airwaves. He's able to answer questions, touch hearts. I was preaching on the rapture there, one of the services, and I, as I was preaching... Uh, I, I got to preaching about the rapture and got to talking about how, how the devil will do you. He'll worry you about what's happening right now. And, and, and God promises you a rapture. And then a poor mother, even in the promise of a rapture, she's got a couple of children. And the devil will start telling her, but what about the children? When you leave, are they going to be left? Is this the... So the devil causes weary on every side. And just while I was preaching, that thought just came to me. And I remember Brother Bram said, in thy house. Somebody said, Brother Branham said, Will my family go? Will the kids go? He said, yes. Yes. Can you imagine? Amen. The, the settling of a heart of a mother sitting in that room asking a prophet. Brother Bram, if a rapture happens tomorrow, will my children go with me? Yes. He said, well, Wayne, how could that be? Because they're young. Do you know your, your new body's 22 years old? 21? 22? Give or take a year. If you're 80, how far you got to go to get to that body? Well, why, why wouldn't a 13-year-old be able to go to a 20-year-old body? The same as an 80-year-old could go to the body. I said, Brother Wayne, what are you doing? Stability. It's in the Word when it becomes revelation in your heart. I believe tonight, friend, that we can get in this Word and hide into a place you can get in a realm where the devil just don't know what to do with you. I want to go there tonight, don't you? Hide me, Lord. Hide me. Hide me in the secret. Hide me in the secret of your tabernacle. That's where I want to be. There's food back there. There's honey back there. There's everything that you have need. Won't you stand with us tonight? I believe he's right here tonight. Don't you, don't you believe that? Do you believe he's here? We've made him welcome. We know he's here and his, his life is here. His truth is here. He's right here. He's speaking distance right now. He's right within speaking distance right now. The condition don't change it. He's ever present. Are you in the middle of something tonight that you need, you, need, you need to speak to him? Brother Bram said one day that there was a man hanging on the cross and there was a thief right next to him. The thief on the left rejected 
and went to his own destination. But the thief of the ride of Jesus, he said, Lord, remember me. Brother Bram said, do you see that he was right within speaking distance of that great rock? I, I was reading something the other day. It just, it just bubbled. Brother Bram said he never had even thought about God. Now you think about the condition of this man. He's hanging on a cross. He had never, Brother Bram said he never had the first thought about God. But it's hanging there on that cross. And the grace of God come to him. And in that condition, he just spoke to him. And when he began to speak, something began to pour out. Listen, friend, you that know God and have served him and loved him. Here you're sitting in this building tonight. You say, Brother Wayne, I need something from the Lord. Can you imagine if you just began to speak to him? What could actually happen in this meeting? The potential of what could take place in your life right now. Maybe you need something great. It's a brother, ain't I been shook up? My, my mind, my family, and things are happening around me. And I want to speak to him tonight. Let's just bow our hearts. Are you mixed up? Do you need something from him tonight? So I'm a little confused, Brother Wayne. I need, I need some stability here. I need, I need him to come by tonight. God bless you, sis. God bless your hands. Oh, how we need him tonight. Won't you just begin just for a moment. Just begin to speak to him now. You know how to do it. Just begin to tell him, Lord Jesus. Lord, there's nothing we could do tonight to atone for the sin, to atone for the sickness. But Lord, you've already did it. I pray for tonight and your, your grace upon this meeting. May you just begin to move. Now, Lord, I pray right now that you begin to go to them hearts. You begin to go to those lives, Father. They're, maybe they're shaken, a little confused. Father, I, I, I believe in leadership, and I know that you've put me on this path. So I don't know what heart you're speaking to, what the need is, but I pray tonight that may your Holy Spirit, may you begin to just speak and quicken that heart. May they begin to feel the brush of your wings, Lord, and know that you're standing next to them. May they begin to feel the, the sweetness of your spirit as you begin to move tonight. I pray you just begin to sweep over this congregation. Lord, these young people, let them, let them feel your presence. Let them know that you're near. Let them know your grace is right here in this building tonight. Lord, we can get ourselves in things that we don't even, we don't know how we're ever going to get out of them. But right here in this meeting, Lord, you can begin to turn them around and you can begin to change it. We're asking you now, Father, 
We're asking you for your grace. Hide us away, Lord. Oh, Father, we thank you for it tonight. Oh, we thank you for it, Father. We thank you for it, Father. We thank you for it, Lord. Hallelujah. Sweep over my soul. Sweep over my soul. Sweet spirit, sweep over my soul. My rest is complete while I sit at your feet, sweet Sweep over my soul. Sweep over my soul. Sweep everything 
make it a prayer now. and it's this way and it's this way and this over here is this way but but God has got a place for you that is stable it's a place of safety it's when his spirit begins to move you know when all the storm is over when all the storm passes that little Sharon told me there in Lowe's the other day when she told me, she said, Brother Wayne, she said, when all the storm was over, she said, I come crawling across that rubble. First thing I done is went and looked in that nest. And she said, there those babies were under that, under that blooper. She said, it's wings. Big-eyed mama just, just sitting there over top of them. I'll be honest, right there in Lowe's, I about cried like a baby. <laughs> that spirit just began to move around me. Standing there in that Lowe's store, and I began to think about, oh, God, if that bluebird, brother, if they could have, they, <laughs> they'd have pulled their little handkerchiefs out. <laughs> they were still chirping. <laughs> they were still under them wings. Listen, friend, won't you give him everything to them? Won't you give him everything? Is there just a little place in your life that you're holding back? Just a little place you'd like to give him tonight that you've never gave, that you've never really gave over to him, you've never really walked in there with right here in this building right now, just, just for a moment. Would you say, Lord, I'm going to give you everything tonight. I'm going to give you everything. Little things that you held back. Lord, I'm going to give it right now. 
I'm just going to give it away right now. That little woman come in that room and found Jesus sitting there and the Pharisees wasn't worshiping her, remember? They wasn't, they wasn't washing his feet. And the Bible said she took that alabaster box, that bottle of ointment, and she broke, she broke the box open. And Brother Bram said what that was, was she broke it open because she was going to pour it all out. She wasn't going to leave anything. If you just take the lid off nicely, it means you're going to use a little and you're going to put the lid back on. But what she did is she broke it off because she wasn't intending to walk out of that room with anything left in that bottle. And I tell you right now, in this, in this atmosphere right now, I want you to say, Lord, I'm, I'm, it's everything. It's everything. I'm going to give it all to you, Lord. It's everything. Oh my, do you feel that? I'm going to give him everything. Lord Jesus, would you receive it? Would you accept our worship here tonight? Father, to the world, these things are just unseemly and they don't mean nothing. But to a prophet of God, he said, Lord, that there's great changes taking place. Lord, there's changes taking place in this room right now. Atmosphere and lives are changing. Directions are changing. And Father, we're asking you tonight that your grace would just accept the worship. Accept it, Lord, of every heart, of every surrender. Father, we commit it in the name of Jesus. God bless you, friends. We certainly love you tonight. Brother Timothy. And why?